so our friend Brandon, uh, Brandon asked us to rank Shane McGowan, Luke Oops. Kelly, and Oops. Ronnie Drew. There's a lot of different areas in which we could rank them. I'm trying to think what would be a level playing field for the three of them because they're very, they're both, well, at least Shane compared to the other two are very, they're very different entertainers, I think, right? Mainly that Shane was a very prolific songwriter in his day. Yeah. Whereas the other two didn't really write, as far as I know. Yeah, be- but, 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 yeah, but, but they, they, they took those traditional songs and made them, you know, brought them to a pub atmosphere, to a, mm-hmm. to a concert setting. So, I mean, it, it in that way, in that regard, I would imagine they'd, they'd be about the same. Pogues came along as a punk rock band doing the Irish stuff. And of course, you know, we're just massively influenced by that. And also, um, also the, the Dubliners, you know, again, everything kind of stemmed from that. Dubliners, Wolf Tones kind of stuff, just to where you could bring that energy, that, that kind of, that infectious, those infectious tunes and sing along stuff and bring that into a, you know, to to a concert atmosphere where, where, where the you know the Pogues just electrified it, in in my opinion. Uh, Shane McGowan, uh, we talked about this before. Shane McGowan um, gets gets overlooked as a singer, you know, because of the 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 years of drug abuse and you know. So so I mean, his voice has definitely changed throughout the years, but I mean, still a, a great singer and, and an incredible visionary as far as the songwriting goes. Uh, if you ask me to put them in, 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 you know, to 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 rank them, I would have to put Shane first. In that, I stole a lot of his phrasings and lyric ideas. Uh, whereas uh, Luke Kelly's just an absolutely beautiful voice. If you haven't heard the Dubliners, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with them, I definitely check out stuff like uh, would you check out Luke Kelly, especially doing. Town I love so well, or yeah. just 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 these 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 staples, you know, these absolute, you know, mandatory folk songs. But just his voice is just incredible. Ronnie Drew has an amazing. He's a real real deep, raspy, great pub voice, uh, but um, and and a really 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 infectious tone to to you know just again you can see where Shane McGowan got a lot of his ideas. Yeah, you absolutely. know, a lot of Ronnie Drew in that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, to, to, to rank them, ah, I would definitely have to put Shane first and then Luke Kelly second. Although I think Luke Kelly of all of them has the best voice, but still Shane as a, and then that, so that would be mine. I would go Shane, I, Luke, Ronnie. I think I'd agree with you actually, because, uh, the interesting thing about Luke is that he's often characterized as having the prettier voice of the two and, uh, and the Dubliners next to Ronnie, but he actually had a lot of grit in his voice too. Um, and I'm not not saying this to rank the two of them. I just think it's an overlooked uh, quality of his. My favorite version of Dirty Old Town ever, really above above the Pogues version, which I love too. But uh, there was a live version of uh, Dirty Old Town that the Dubliners did during a period in the '70s when Ronnie had actually left the band for a while. Um, I guess just to do solo stuff or something. I'm not sure what the story is there, but for a while it's just it was just four of them. Uh, touring around and, and Luke was the only singer and uh, that version of, of uh, Dirty Old Town is like the, the, he he really throws some, some some energy into it that I haven't heard on, in other versions um, but I'll, I'll put a link to that in the show notes he also does he, he sometimes sang it differently too and that, and that particular version I think is my favorite way that he sings it there's also a really fun version of Monto that they do 
when both of them were in the band. That I remember you sending me one a long time ago. Yeah, that's that that that's that's one that that uh, you know you either love it or you hate it. But that's a great that's a great um, execution of uh, just just what what incredible vision they had to to you know to be able to 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 execute that song like that. That was a, that was an amazing. That's a great track. Yeah, trying to think. What are some other really good Dubliner songs? God, I mean, I, I I still think their version of Rocky Road to Dublin is just, yeah. just the best on the planet. Oh, that's right. I was thinking, there's another, I think it's from that same period, I mean, I know it is, where Ronnie wasn't there, where it might have even been on the same program, where they're doing Rocky Road, and it's one of my favorite moments of, of just seeing other musicians kind of deal with random situations on stage, where Luke just spontaneously, accidentally, starts singing, repeating the same verse that he had just sung. I forget which verse it is in Rocky Road, but he <laughs> there, there's a shot from the side as this is happening, and you see him look over at Barney McKenna on banjo, like kind of looking at him with with a, with a slightly wide eyed look, like, "Hey, <laughs> what am I doing? Do I, just stick with me here because we're, we're going to repeat this whole verse." And but I love I love seeing moments like that. They're very subtle things that most people wouldn't even catch unless they're really paying close attention. Yeah, definitely check out like a greatest hits record. Dubliners, and that's just that's that's just a. Uh, I mean, you know, if that if uh, the the Irish folk stuff is the you know if you like that stuff, that's the definitely definitely check it out. But yeah, that, that's a great question from from Brandon. But again, I I would put again people like Phil Lynott, you know, up there with the with these guys because he he kept that uh, from Thin Lizzy, you know, he kept his Irish heritage throughout, you know, throughout all the rock stuff, even when they went pure American rock and roll sounding, you know, he still kept his phrasing from, you know, his time listening to that, you know, all that old Irish stuff. So, uh, and again, that's no, <laughs> no far stretch to, to insert Thin Lizzy every time, you know, every chance we get. So, yeah. Uh, there was something I thought about that we, I forgot to, to mention last time when we were talking about the Phil's, um, Phil Lynott's habit of, of singing off time as just part of his style. We're trying to think of other people who did it. You mentioned Freddie Mercury. Uh, it also occurred to me that, that Phil was a huge fan of Van Morrison. Yeah. And Van did a lot of that kind of thing too. I'd forgotten about that. I'm um, not a huge, I'm not a very, I don't know much about Van, Van Morrison, I have to admit. Uh, but I do recognize what a huge influence he has been on other people, and Phil being one of those people. So, did, did you listen much to Van Morrison? No, no, yeah. actually, I never, I never, never, you know, you hear, you hear the stuff on the radio, you know, great songwriter, great performer. And- but not my style. Another one. Another one to check out is Christy Moore. Oh yeah. Um, now Christy Moore is. Uh, I, I was never. I was never into Christy Moore uh, or Planksty. You know. Hit, uh, you know. Back in the day. But he. Um, he is a great. Uh, you know. A, a wonderful storyteller. Great singer songwriter. Again, not my style. Uh, in, in in that you know the songs kind of go long and the you know there's really only so much one man and an acoustic guitar and a bunch of sweat can do. But the. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, uh, beloved, just, 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 you know, massive in Europe, not that big over here, but still, uh, yeah, definitely check out Christy Moore. And we talked about Ron Kavana, Kavna, whatever, you, whatever. Um, but uh, uh, that's, you know, the, these are the people like, again that that kind of shaped all this, all this noise that you hear from us these days. So, yeah, th- but again, you, you were talking about singing out of time, the, like the the phrasing going back to the Rocky Road to Dublin track. The phrasing of the lyrics in that are absolutely genius. Uh, Christy Moore does a lot of that too in his phrasing and his. Uh, like I said, I'm not. 
I'm not, I, I don't know a ton of Christy Moore. I don't know the, the uh, obscure stuff. You know, I, I know the stuff that we heard in the radio and, uh, you know, the bigger hits, but definitely, definitely check out Christy Moore if you like that singer songwriter, but just a, a wonderful, he, he phrases stuff and he just, he articulates so well and he's a, just a phenomenal storyteller. So that's a, that's one I would definitely recommend checking out. Yeah, there's a, um, I just remembered this when you mentioned him that, I hope I can find this video. I don't know if it's online anymore, but long, I mean, back when, when, when Patrick and I first started working together and, and he threw me Dirty Old Town to sing, which I was very reticent to sing because I loved the way Patrick sang it. I was like, Shut. it wasn't what I, I didn't anticipate that happening. So I was like, ah. So I went, I went and did homework on the song because I wanted, just wanted to learn as, as much about it as I could. And in the process of doing that, I found this video of Christy Moore and Shane McGowan performing the song the thing that really hit me in that is that they were throwing in an E minor chord and the, and the, and the verse structure that I'd never heard before. So I sent it to Patrick and we we're like, wow, that's cool. And then pretty soon after that, we wanted up actually playing the song that way. So just a little tidbit. That's where we got that, that chord change from in that song. I don't know of anybody else who does that. Yeah. Back in our younger days. Oh yeah. Um, I, I knew anybody who listens to Phil, and you, if you know Van and you know Phil, you can hear the influence of, of uh, that Van had on Phil pretty easily. Um, but I found out about that because I was emailing Tony Visconti, a legendary record producer who worked within Lizzie. He's probably most famous for working with David Bowie. He, he produced like almost half of Bowie's catalog, I think. And uh, but he's been he's always been very accessible and you know enjoys talking with fans and stuff. But I emailed him once. This is long before Facebook and MySpace and all that stuff. And asked him a question about Phil's influences, and he he mentioned that Van was was a really huge influence on him. He ended the email, and then he sent a second email to add Huey Lewis as a as an influence, who which I thought was really cool. And that's we knew that Patrick had already told me that that Phil and, and Huey were were really good close friends that they toured together back when Huey was in it. What was the name of the band that he was in back then? Clover. Clover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Huey Lewis. I saw Huey Lewis back when uh, on the sports tour in Dublin. I went to see him and he dedicated every note and every moment of the show to Phil, which uh, back then it, I, I, I wish I, I wish I was good with dates, but it was, it was, it was only a, it was only been a short while since Phil had died. But of course, you know, being a big Thin Lizzy fan and for Huey Lewis, this American guy, I'd no, I knew nothing about him except that, that, that record that just sold outsold everything. <laughs> um, he he dedicated the the show to uh, to Phil, and uh, you know di- you know being being a a, a a quote unquote rocker you know I mean just it was really hard to fight back the emotion because you know you're trying to be a tough guy you're trying to trying to enjoy this show and see this you know just incredible band and then then of course he just smacks you with that and we were just absolutely floored by this guy showing so much respect to to our boy Phil. You know, that uh, we, uh, you know, then found out later on that, that the uh, Phil and, and Huey had met on tour. And um, rumor was, or, you know, the, the, the rumor had it that Phil had kind of told Huey, because Huey had been trying to break through with all these different configurations of, of, of the band or whatever. And, you know, Phil had kind of telling you, take him, him and him and go off and do your own thing. And uh, Huey Lewis and the News was born. I'm not saying that Phil did that, but... Uh, uh, that was the that's that that's what the rumor was and uh, and Huey Lewis is absolutely absolutely one of my favorite uh, shows that I've ever seen just in in uh, 
you know, to hear what those guys did vocally and musically and to, to, you know, to, to do it, you know, a kind of, you know, on a pop chart or in a pop music format. I was just absolutely life-changing to see that their, their guitar player, Chris Hayes at the time, he's no longer with them, but that was underrated. Talk about underrated players. That guy is a beast, absolute beast. I remember we, we were on, was something we were on tour one time and we, I was looking up stuff about them just because we were looking for something to talk about as we had hours to drive. And I, I found, I think I found an interview with Chris Hayes and it, it talked about his, his background because I think he came from what, like, like a yeah. really highly trained like jazz or something like that. Yeah, it was his whole family's musical for yeah. when I, yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah. And I just remember being surprised that, like, wow, that's so cool because he didn't really, I mean, he had some great solos and all that stuff, but, but he, you know, he, that was a rock band, you know, they didn't really do just any kind of complicated, fancy, you know, chord changes or anything like that. Not, nothing jazzy, anyway, is what I meant to say. Yeah, I'll see if I can find that, uh, some stuff about Chris too. The subject of Huey may come as a, as a surprise to anybody who grew up in the 80s, but, um, especially in the States anyway. I don't know how, how he was regarded over overseas. But at least among my friends, I know that Huey was not taken very seriously because he was so popular. So it, it's, it's one of those things that I, I've been able to appreciate more. There's been a lot, of, a lot of stuff from the 80s I didn't take very seriously at the time. And now it's, it's kind of fun to go back. For instance, we were listening to Duran Duran not too long ago uh, as we were driving back from Longview. Yeah, I, I, I just I just remember uh, Duran Duran as a band that you just couldn't stand to hear, look at, think about. But in the back of your head, you knew that they were doing something amazing. John Taylor, again, I don't know why or how that guy escaped best bass player. Um, yeah. Just listening to the bass lines and any of those early tracks, I don't know how he physically pr- played that. I don't know how he played and sang and and kept that. That was insane to me. And I, another one of those, there was, there was a few bands in the eighties and that was one of them that I could not be seen. I could not let on that. I liked, and, uh, I, I really, I really, really liked some of their stuff. And to this day, I really, really like some of their stuff. And, um, I, I forget the guitar player's name, Taylor as well. Wasn't it? Uh, he did power, uh, power. Yeah. Andy, uh, Andy Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, unrelated. Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> there were three Taylors in they're all unrelated. Yeah. But yeah, and uh, just another guy with great tone and great chops. And but yeah, that was that was a band that I could not, I could not ever be. Uh, actually, we'll probably have to cut this out because I still can't. <laughs> no, I think it's people need to know. No, they don't. Um, they, well, they need to know how good they were. Um, yeah, we, now, where else can you go and hear the Dubliners and Duran Duran in the same sentence? Come on, <laughs> the love of God. Well, we were driving back from. Um, Longview a few months ago and Longview, Texas, y'all. Yeah. Up at Lone Star Ice House. We're going to be back there pretty soon, actually. You know, I asked Patrick, what do you want to listen to? And he says, oh, about some Duran Duran. So it's okay. You know, with no, no specific requests as to what song. So I, I, I often like when I'm digging into an artist, especially one I haven't heard before, I want to go and look at, listen to an album just to kind of, kind of better idea of everything they did, not just the singles and all that stuff. So I went and pulled up the album Rio. And it's okay. I don't know what we're going to get here because I never, with one of those 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 bands, any of those bands that they're mainly known for all their time, almost like any band from the '80s. If you if you have any idea who they are, you probably only know them because of their big hits. That's all I knew from Darren Duran. It turns out Rio, from start to finish, is a fantastic album. Uh, there were a lot of surprises on there. I'm not really familiar with the rest of their catalog, uh, but that one I would highly recommend you give a listen to. There's one really long song. I'm trying to remember what the name of that one is. New Religion. It's like a six or seven minute long song. 
Yeah, well, that's the joys of traveling from, you know, top to bottom, side to side of the, this, this massive landscape that we have. And you, you, uh, you, definitely, uh, you definitely get caught up on a lot of music that you normally wouldn't, you wouldn't stumble across. All right. <laughs> I guess maybe we should, should we should give, give this uh, question from John a, a spin? John Nania? Yeah. Or Nania? Is that how we're pronouncing it today? No. <laughs> That's how I'm going to always pronounce it. I've got a bigger microphone than John, so it's Nania. He calls it Nania. But you can actually check out his uh, YouTube uh, channel, Nania Mania, or Nania Mania, as I call it. He's an uh, uh, insane bass player. Talk about great bass players. And uh, so John has some question for us. Yeah, he, he says uh, top five desert island discs. I take it we have a CD player too? Apparently. All right. All mine will be double live albums. So I would go with Life Live by Thin Lizzy. I would have to be a, it's a double and it's got all the hits and it's uh, way, 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 you know, there are a lot of overdubs on it. They, you know, they, they, they went back and they went back and, you know, re-recorded a lot of the stuff, but still an absolutely phenomenal. You can actually relive a Thin Lizzy concert and, you know, just everything that they did throughout their career is encapsulated in that record. I, in, in my opinion, it's just, you know, got all the players on there. And I didn't talk about this in the, in the, or I didn't mention this enough in the, in the, uh, when we were talking about guitar players and, you know, influences and this, but a, a guy that got overlooked uh, for me is John Sykes, who played with, uh, he's played with White Snake and he's played with, uh, I, I didn't listen to him much in White Snake, but I, I, I learned about him in Thin Lizzy. But I actually, I, a lot of my, a lot of my, uh, I do a lot of overtones, a lot of squeals and stuff like that. I actually stole that from, from uh, John Sykes. Cause I heard him play. The first time I ever heard him play was a song called Cold Sweat by Thin Lizzy. And hearing him play that song with those just absolute perfect pinch harmonics and squeals and all that stuff. That's where, that's when I said, you know what? I, I want, I want to play, I want to play more leads. He took a lot of the cues from Gary Moore and he's, you know, he's, but he's, he's, I saw him actually play. He fronted Thin Lizzy when they came through Houston, Texas, way, way, way back when they had Tommy Aldridge on drums, forget the bass player, but uh, uh, John Sykes was actually from the band and singing. And um, so, so again, everything kind of came for a full circle for me to hear him do Phil's music and give it so much so much attention and so much respect and so much love. I mean, just absolutely build these songs to a brand new Thin Lizzy show. I mean, it really did. It, it kind of, it, it kind of took Phil's spirit on the road, if you will. So I saw them, you know, back quite a few years ago here in Houston. And um, with John singing and playing those songs, it was absolutely, it was, it was a, it was a whole new reinvigoration. <laughs> Is that a word? Uh, for Thin Lizzy stuff for me, it just, just, just an absolute. I, I remember running into to local musicians at that show and watching them leave, and it looked like they had absolutely been beaten with a baseball bat. Just everybody just walked out of there, just pale, exhausted. Uh, I remember one guy in particular. He's a drummer, one of the one of the best drummers in Houston. Uh, his first name is Greg, and his last name is eluding me. I think that's a Greek name. Um, he uh, he left the show, and he he he. he I remember he, he looked at me, and he just had those 
just he was just drained. We were all just absolutely physically exhausted after watching Tommy Aldridge and John Sykes just just annihilate these songs. And he said to me, uh, do you want my drum kit? And he goes, I never want to play again. <laughs> <laughs> he used to play with a band called 5AM and Pitbull and, oh, and I can't remember his last name. But yeah, phenomenal drummer. And uh, that, that, that's, that's what kind of sealed it for me. That's when I knew you, you, you witnessed greatness when, when you know, other people had left the show just being absolutely. So anyway, I, 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 I digress. So one of your five discs would be? Are you not going to do all five? I'm going to do them in turn. <laughs> yeah. All right. Get out of that one. I'm trying to think. I've been trying to think. It's not an easy question. Well, that's why he asked you. Uh, the first thing that came to mind was, uh, is David Bowie's album, Scary Monsters, which I think is my favorite one of his. And I'm just trying to think, I mean, literally of Desert Island, like what songs would I want to just calm me down? <laughs> if I'm, I'm literally, literally stuck somewhere where I'm never going to see humanity again. Uh, that, that I would love to have that that record because it's it it kind of covers the gamut of of David Bowie's uh, full not necessarily yeah I mean, there's there's really 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 aggressive weird songs on there but there's also some more kind of laid back things on there some dancey stuff and that was also one of the records that Tony Visconti produced uh, but that's the one that has Ashes to Ashes on it it's got um, uh, Fashion which not even one of my favorite songs, but it's alongside everything else that's on there. It's just, uh, just a fantastic album. Teenage Wildlife, great song. Robert Fripp plays guitar. Some crazy, crazy leads on that on that record. Uh, Pete Townsend plays lead on one track, uh, Because You're Young, uh, which doesn't even sound like Pete, which is pretty interesting. Anyway, I highly, highly, highly recommend that record. Yeah, that's a good one. I would, my, my next one would be, and I've thought about this for a whole three minutes, is... Um, the I have ABBA's greatest hits, which which is mm. sounds sounds weird, but you know I, I grew up listening to ABBA. I have five sisters, and um, they're all bigger than me, so they all made me listen to. It. So so you know we, we yeah as a kid that stuff you couldn't get away from it, and you know it used to drive me crazy to have to hear that stuff. Now I'm not talking Dancing Queen and stuff. I'm talking about I'm talking about Waterloo. I'm talking about even stuff like. Uh, Fernando. I mean, just just you can hear where Queen stole Abba ideas. You can hear where um, where you know other singers and whatnot stole harmony ideas. And but uh, the Benny and Bjorn absolutely just hands down wrote some of the catchiest, coolest chord progressions. Structurally, put these these hits together that just absolutely poison your mind in in a good way in that you just cannot get these hooks and these harmonies and these rhythms and stuff out of your head so so yeah i listened to i listened to to that and um i, I think we should take this this part out too <laughs> hearing it come out of my mouth is a shock but yeah it's it, it it's definitely it's definitely a lot of the the um a lot of the the energy a lot of the really fun beautiful music that they put together just just you know and again the 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 vocals the harmonies of those vocals is just absolutely just make my hair stand up on end it just yeah really i think abba gets gets it's one of those bands that that like i was saying earlier that there are a lot of 80s bands that my generation at least the people i hung out with <laughs> didn't really pay much attention to at the time i i still hear people when, when abba's brought up going ew abba ew like no seriously <laughs> But again, now we've talked about this before, it, you know, on many, many of those road trips and what up, but it's um, when you're playing music 
and you're working with music seven days a week, you don't listen to artists the same way as other people do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not listen to the radio, but I don't listen to top 40 music. I don't know any of the bands that come on. I was watching the news the other day and a rapper got shot in LA or uh, I had never heard of him and I'd never heard of all the people that had heard of him and all the people that have been talking about him. I don't know. Who, so I, I don't know popular music. I don't know what's, what's people are listening to out completely out of touch. The, 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 the stuff that I, <laughs> the stuff that I listen to is, you know, still guides the, the music that I write, the music I listen to, the music I, you know, want to write, listen to, you know, that, that's all these, all these bands that I used to listen to are still driving everything I do musically. There's so many, I, I can't tell you the amount of times I sit down with the guitar and play something and, you know, go, Hey, that's wh- where, where's that from? And, you know, it'd be a, uh, an app, you know, it comes out as an ABBA or a BG, you know, kind of progression. I go, wait a minute, what, you know, and, it's just impossible. You don't listen to the stuff the same way as other people listen to it. And, you know, there, then that would, you know, so you, your music comes out different than, than, than you would if you were listening to the stuff that's on the radio today or stuff that people are listening to today. You just don't, you know, um, and I, and I hear it time and time again, they go, you know, I said, no, I don't like that. I don't like that. I go, well, yeah, but you're not listening to it. You're, you, you don't hear what we're hearing. I go, yeah, that's very true. Case in point, you know, the, 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 we were talking about, you know, Motley Crue and Kiss on the, you know, the, the, just the, the vocals in Motley Crue are so bad, just, just so off to me. You know what I mean? The, 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 the timber of his voice hits my ears, you know, like, like, you know, just somebody driving eight inch nails through your, you know, yeah. your ear hole. And uh, Kiss, the same thing, just, just, uh, but it, you know, so so yeah, we definitely don't listen to to stuff the way uh, other people do, and we listen to you know the production of the of the records as they're as they're being played, and, and you're 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 going in so deep, and you're getting in among the 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 instruments and the the tone of the guitar and the you know the mix of the drums and the, the you know the rhythm mm-hmm. section how they're how they're placed in the mix and whatnot. It's just it's really it is it is very difficult to uh, listen and you know be objective even. Yeah, and um, so this is not one of my Desert Island discs, but uh, it makes me think of uh, of the Bee Gees, uh, j- just in the in the sense that I didn't really listen to ABBA when I was younger. Similarly, because because I really in my age group anyway, most people my my age only at, when we we're kids we only really knew the Bee Gees as a disco act because of the Staying Alive soundtrack. And when I was a kid, around the time that record came out. I didn't see the movie. I had no interest in seeing the movie, but it, the, the only reason I even knew that music is because I'd go to my friend's house and their sister would be listening to the record. <laughs> you know, So it just wasn't something that, that I even was. It wasn't even really on my radar or something that was cool to listen to or even interesting to listen to. But later, it was like something that happened. It wasn't just my musician friends, but something about uh, something like in the early 90s or late 80s, we suddenly started listening to that stuff again going, wow, this stuff is really good. Um, it's it's funny that the thing is it's frustrating too is that that's that that's what you know top ten music was back then and try, try to compare it to the stuff that's in the top ten now and maybe this just 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 dating me making me look old but and it's a sad state state of affairs if you compare that stuff 
with uh, what they're putting out now. But anyway, that's a whole other tangent. So uh, disc number two. Again, because I'm thinking about something I'd want to listen to to, to help me you know, stay sane, uh, Peter Gabriel, whom uh, I mentioned in a previous episode, because he used to be the, he was the original lead singer of Genesis, he went off to uh, do a solo career in the mid-70s. And uh, I, I was, I, that's how I actually, I started listening to the early Genesis because of uh, a friend of mine got me into Peter Gabriel's stuff first. Um, then I kind of went, went back and found the, found the Genesis stuff later. But um, Peter Gabriel is one of those guys that now, I, I, he's, not the, he's not really the, he's the same person, but the stuff that he does now, I find extremely boring. <laughs> I'm sad to say, I still have a tremendous amount of respect for him. But uh, the stuff that he did in the late 70s and the early 80s was so uh, out there. And uh, I really loved it because of that. But there, and I love everything that he did up until the, what his big hit was So, which came out in 86, which was traumatic for, for myself and my other friends who were big fans of his at the time. When he put that record out, it was like, oh my God, what's happening? It, it was... It was uh, not easy, easy to to uh, stomach at the time. I did come to appreciate that record later, but I really, to be honest with you, I really don't ever listen to it now. But his second solo record, when he didn't have, this is one of the things that made him so uncommercial, is that he, his albums didn't have titles, which drove his record company crazy to the point when he eventually put out his fourth solo record. Uh, they put a title on it for him. They kind of forced him to pick a title called Security. But the, the, um, the three that preceded it were all just called Peter Gabriel. And they're usually referred. They're referred to by what's on the cover, and the second one has a has this really cool artwork of of of. Uh, it looks like he's scratching his face out of existence. Uh, so it's, that one's called Scratch. That record doesn't sound like anything he did before. Certainly nothing he did in Genesis, and nothing he did after. Uh, and Robert Fripp produced that record. Um, it. it and if if you like it, it has this kind of kind of a late seventies kind of groovy vibe to it, but it's also kind of weird. But it's it, even I don't, I don't even think Peter Gabriel really appreciates it now because I've heard him mention. He, I think at the time he referred to it as a pop record. Does not sound like pop. It's the songs kind of sound like something you might have heard on the radio back in the day. But um, there's there isn't one song on that record that gets airplay now. And uh, because Salisbury Hill was a big hit off the first record that that gets horribly overplayed now. It's a great song, played to death. Um, and then later, of course, he had Shock the Monkey and Games Without Frontiers, which came on the, the two albums that followed it. This one, I, there wasn't one single that I can think of that came out, but it's really, really great record. There's one song on there that uh, called Mother of Violence, which is fantastic. Just every, every song is, is is great, so I would. That's another one I really highly recommend. Not only because I love it so much, but but because I know that very few people have ever even heard it. <laughs> even Peter Gabriel fans, uh, most I think most Peter Gabriel fans these days probably only know him because of "So" and you know "In Your Eyes" and all those songs that he did at the time, which they're fine songs. I just don't think that's the best of his work. So, so um, there's another one. Um, was absolute shock to everybody would be uh, the Iron Maiden live after death in that it's definitely not their best live recording. However, it does span the career and it does. Uh, um, I actually believe, and you can check it out for yourself, but uh, I think Bruce Dickinson is singing better today than he, than he was back then in the eighties. Um, I've, 
seen him a few times and his 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 voice today is better than than ever but the, that that record to me is again we're talking about the LP talking about the vinyl that was a double live record with this just incredible incredible um um Ross Halfen does all the photography of course so just these amazing pictures and this wonderful stage set and then the the inserts you know with the all the pictures of all the live shots behind the stage you know the it had all the not that I ever read it but it had all the they I think they had 18 or 20 you know big rigs carrying their their stage show when they when they tour around and just so that they had a breakdown of every single piece of equipment on their that that, that they brought with them so you kind of you kind of not you didn't just get a, a a live record you got uh you got to see what what they carry with them what they use on stage what their backups were what their guitars and the just absolutely mind-boggling to uh um to think what it took to put on a show and remember that, that, that back in the 80s they were doing sometimes i think i read a couple i, I can't tell you the year but uh, a few of the years they did over 300 shows like 320 shows or something like that and it was just and that was in there as well their tour schedule was in there as well so you can see how many that's crazy how many, how many nights they did back to back to back to back and must have been multiple shows a day i guess in order for that to yeah we fine I want to say too they 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 may have broken records in their time too for for live shows per year. Or, um, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I think uh, Reverend Horton Heat now holds the. Yeah, I think he holds the <laughs> the record. But um, yeah, again, definitely not their greatest live recording. But as far as as far as as far as just the energy, you know, and 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 I think it was Long Beach Arena recorded it over several nights at Long Beach Arena. And uh, just just a, just a, just an amazing a masterpiece as far as as far as you know song selection and you know really just spans the career and again you know one of my uh, longest you know the bands I've listened to the most so cool so where am I this is number three three I think yeah. that was your number that was your number three right it's my three there was your three okay yeah, this is not easy <laughs> um, I'd, I'd have to throw Talking Heads in there so I've, I've talked about them so much. Um, it's funny because I don't really listen to them much anymore, but their third record, I think it was their third, called Fear of Music. Again, similar to, to the other record I was talking about, Peter Gabriel's record, it didn't sound like anything he did before or after. Uh, Talking Heads record, Fear of Music, it, is that it, kind of that same thing. It has, it has the original version of Life During Wartime, which is one of the, one of the best songs off Stomach and Sense. I actually, it's one of those songs where I really do prefer the live version of it. But this record... Um, but I like it for the stuff that's on it that you really don't hear anywhere else. The to me, it's like they sort of invented uh, the Pixies on that record. If you go and you listen, as I'm a big Pixies fan as well, and that's some one band, another band we haven't mentioned on the show before. Um, if you go and listen to the way the how the guitars sound on that record, and then go and listen to like Doolittle and Surfer Rosa, and tell me you can't hear the influence there. But again, it's a very very strange album. It's it may it's may not. It's sort of an uh, maybe an acquired taste for some people, uh, but I find it incredibly satisfying. Um, weird in the same way, uh, satisfyingly weird in the same way that a lot of Bowie's stuff did, uh, was at the same time, because uh, this was around the same time that Bowie was doing the what they call the Berlin trilogy of Low Heroes and Lodger. A lot of really strange songs on those records that I just love. Um, some of those would probably be on my my list as well. 
be really hard for me to pick. I've already done one Bowie album. <laughs> huh. It's going. So the next one is a band called Chasing Turtles out of... Uh, oh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's for you, John. Uh, now, my next one would be... Um, I, I can't really qualify this, but I'm going to say that. But the next one is Slayer, uh, Rain and Blood. Why? There's not a bad song on it. But also, it's just... Uh, it's one of those things where... I guess my introduction to thrash, really. But thrash metal. Um, it just, it just it, it's, it's good start to finish. Short record, you know, which is... Uh, but it's it's it it spawned so many bands, songs, ideas. Just very very dark, very but just incredibly fast and just the the the, the band the, the the production's not great, but it's not horrible. It's um it's just pure energy and it's start to finish, just just an incredible incredible record. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling because I want to find a favorite track on it, and I can't do it. I can't do it. But I just think, uh, I think uh, Dave Lombardo, the drummer, from that moment on, solidified himself as one of the top metal drummers. Just, just because, not, not even technique, not even just, just his, his, the, the way he phrases, the way he. Uh, throws anyway. Um, he's just just a, a visionary. I mean, just absolutely steered a lot of these drummers to uh, to 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 what they were doing, or to what they're doing to this day. You know, even but just it's just an amazing. Uh, it's just a, like I say, incredibly just ferocious. Um, just just a masterpiece as far as you know, as far as heavy, 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 fast thrash metal records go. Yeah, I don't know much about Slayer. <laughs> We haven't listened to that's one band we we have listened to in the band a few times, but not very often. Yeah, I listen to it. That, that's 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 a that's a. Um, it's difficult to to. It's difficult to drive. Under, you know, hundred miles an hour, listening to Slayer. It, 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 again, it's one of those bands where I don't like the Kerry King, Jeff Hanneman style of lead playing, which is just every single note all the time. But what I do like about their stuff is their 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 riffs together. Tom Araya's uh, vocal delivery. I mean, he you know, it's it, it's definitely not singing most of the time. He's shouting, but he's shouting in key, which is mm-hmm. yeah, you know. And again, the lyrical content is funny. It was funny back in the day when they were doing the Antichrist stuff, you know, because that was that was hysterical to me. We joke about them putting the black robes on and going and you know sacrificing a lamb and. To, you know, just absolutely poser stuff in the beginning. But, you know, then, then, you know, as they matured and their stuff, you know, you go from South of heaven onwards, those, you know, they started doing the anti-war stuff and the, the TV evangelist stuff. I mean, it was absolutely on point as far as, uh, you know, when they took aim at, at, you know, social injustice and, you know, um, the TV evangelist, you know, my favorite. Somehow, there's a oh, oh, I can't think of the name. I'll, 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 I'll come back to it. But they, as they, as their music evolved, they, um, they, they went a little bit more socially aware, and that's when they really just hit it. They hit the hit the nail on the head. Uh, but it was just uh, again going from their real, real early stuff, haunting the chapel, and that's kind of where I jumped in and. Uh, to you know, the, I guess they've they've stopped touring now. They're they're on their final 
leg of their final tour. But um, yeah, to, just to see how they, they so, so I was talking about driving with, with that music on. It's really, really fun to listen to. However, it needs to be at a volume that's just, it's, it's uncomfortable for, for 99.9 of the population. Um, the, the, I, I, when I listen to it, I want to hear every single, I want to hear every nuance, every bit of it. So it's, it's usually, as the, as the saying goes, when I listen to Slayer, so do the neighbors. <laughs> yeah. What, what's, what, what record has a human strain on it? That's the only song of theirs I, I know because I know it's the one that I... Yeah, I remember, I I really remember like, playing I that really for you the first time, like, and you're like, what? Wait, wait, again, who's yeah. that? Who's that? What? what? That doesn't sound anything... Yeah, that's... Uh, because it didn't sound like their other stuff, at least. Uh, the, the, I think it's Christ Illusion. I'm not sure. Yeah. But... That's one of the songs that has it has a really catchy has a really catchy groove on it. Yeah, but but then again, go, going back to, uh, uh, I, I remember playing it for my kids the first time, um, "Skeletons of Society," and it's a slow, heavy, heavy, heavy song, and both the kids jumped on it. They loved it and wanted to hear it again, and again, and again. Um, but they really do some incredibly uh, just catchy. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the 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 rhythms of these. These uh, riffs that they do are just really, really catchy, and and uh, yeah, Angel of Death when when it slows down and they they do that breakdown, and it's just I mean, there's just there's nobody does, does it better. It's just absolutely um, one of those one of those bands that you just just uh, you just you would completely overlook just because of the you know you look at their catalog and it's you know ninety eight percent of the stuff is you know one hundred and twenty hundred and thirty beats per minute and just you know blistering and, and and a lot of people can't can't uh get into that but because we listen to stuff different you can you know and 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 as a guitar player when you listen to those riffs and you listen to how they're they're you know you know how they change tempos and and uh play it at, at such speed it's just it really is it's something to behold yeah uh so where are we where are we now i think you're on your second no i didn't i've done two <laughs> no you're number two i've done three yeah it's second for the top so I did Bowie. I did Bowie talking as okay, yeah, four. I have to put Beatles in here somewhere. I just don't know which record to choose. It's not easy. Obviously, Sgt. Pepper is the record I grew up with. It's probably the one that's dearest to me, just because I've been listening to it for most of my life. But I, I don't know if that'd be the one I'd choose. That's really hard. And I, I, I guess there's no limitation on like because we've already done greatest hits. We, you picked Abbey greatest hits, right? Yeah, I'm just so, I'm picking double records. So that's just because if I'm if yeah, I'm gonna yeah. Be, you know, <laughs> then less bang for your buck. Well, if we're going double records, I probably I'd probably pick uh, the White Album, even though I don't really. It's not my favorite album, but uh, just because you're racist. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Um, th- that is one of their records that um, I mean, I kind of I don't know. All their all their albums are diverse and weird, especially at when you get past Rubber Soul. Into the later stuff, there's there's no one record that that sounds like the one that came before it. Really, I don't even know if I need to qualify that. It's the Beatles' White Album. <laughs> it's, a, it's 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 an amazing. There really are, are hardly any. There aren't a whole lot of records like that. I think one of the reasons why I, I, I like it so much is because it just sounds so unlikely, and because it's so long, th- there's so much. Uh, there is, and that's one of their weirder albums too. There's a lot of weird stuff happening on that record, and I like that kind of stuff. You know, there's a lot of really, really great songwriting on it, but there's some of the stuff is just weird for the sake of being weird, like Revolution Number no. Nine, for example. It doesn't get much weirder than that. And the fact, the fact that that's on the record at all, I think, is cool. It's because it's, it's probably the last thing. I'm sure at the time it was the last thing people expected them to do. Um, 
That's probably the last thing they expected themselves to do. Uh, but they put it out anyway. Um, you don't really, again, you don't hear records like that much anymore, especially from from top-selling bands like that. It'd be nice if if uh, artists could be could get away with being that crazy adventurous now. Well, that leads to me my last one. Let me see. Well, it'd probably be the. Well, just and again, going back to the Slayer one too. So, so uh, the the first time the first time I heard Metallica was was uh, was Kill 'Em All, and which I think Ride the Lightning is a hundred times better. And Master of Puppets is the best record they ever made. And and Justice for All was decent, and then it started to, to go way, way down for me. Now, why didn't I pick that? Why did I pick Slayer over that? Because I actually prefer Metallica over the... But I, uh, I just want to make sure that, that, that I've uh, covered that. But the, uh, the, the, reason why, the reason why I didn't like... Metallica was, or I didn't pick that, is because I can't take Kirk Hammett's guitar playing. If I wanted to hear <laughs> wah playing, you know, wah pedal on everything, I'd I can, um, kill myself. But because um, I, I wanted to pick something heavy for my last record, but I'm not going to. I'm going to pick a box set. That's cheating. No, it's not. I'm going to pick the Elvis uh, box set that I got many, Ooh. many, many years ago. Uh, why? It's about just time we talked about Elvis. Because, yeah, uh, yeah he's uh, he's uh, uh, the three chord early stuff was pretty was pretty you know you know the production was 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 light and the uh, instrumentation was light and the but again I've always loved his voice and I've always loved the the energy that that brought and so passing all the way through passing all the way through. Um, you know, until you know the the seventies, the Vegas stuff. Uh, God, the Vegas stuff was was just is horrific. If you're if you're not an Elvis fan, but as an Elvis fan, it's just it's so gaudy and it's so it's so over the top. And you know, singing about vegetables and just just I mean, <laughs> I mean, just oh, it's just crazy. But. Again, those the players that he had, mm-hmm. just Ronnie Tut. I mean, yeah. stop! I mean, just just these these amazing uh, uh, Scotty Moore. Just I know Scotty wasn't playing with him in Vegas, but you know, but going from Bill Black and Scotty Moore all the way through to Ronnie Tut, and yeah, you, just you listening can't. to yeah, and, and and listening to stuff like Kentucky Rain oh, versus That's All Right, Mama, or listening to um, you know even Poke Salad Annie Live versus hound dog you know or or you know but then you know then the other stuff you know don't be cruel and then you go all the way forward to you know um you know those big gospel numbers and they had the jordan airs behind him or he had it just it was it was just it was not the same it was not the same genre it wasn't it wasn't the same uh it wasn't everything was completely different but it, but it's still you know you know he, elvis brought it all the way through with uh, and 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 it just it's another one of those it's another one of those artists that you just you know what, what would have happened if you know Rick Rubin or somebody had got a hold of him got a hold of, you know been able to 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 take him out of the 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 Parker yeah you know umbrella and put him in a situation where like you know we talked about Johnny Cash um, but having 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 let, let him loose let Elvis loose on his 
abilities. Let him loose on his creative, you know, direction. Let him do something that he was just absolutely yeah. lit by. I mean, because <clears throat> again, you know, we talk about front men as well. Elvis, when when you see him take a room, he took the room. When you go to see, you know, when you watch that stuff, the, the Aloha from Hawaii, uh, which I had on VHS for the longest time, and I don't like to rewatch stuff. I, I you know, I, and I never bought it. It was given to me. Side note. But um, watching that again and again and again, da 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 da. Watching watching the intro, you know, the introduction and the pump and the glitz and the glamour and this and then and he take but then he takes the stage and in turn takes the room and there is this usual screaming and there's the blah 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 all the 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 noise and but that band was on point and he just you know in his prime nobody was a better there was nobody that that could command a room better in in my opinion so yeah it's a box set and it's got everything from the you know the the, the 50s all the way through the 70s and it's just it's uh it's still it still plays a big part of my my influence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, talking about the the band that he had at that point at, during that period you're talking about uh the, the 70s. The, yeah, the, the Vegas period whatever yeah. you want to call it. He, just like you mentioned the, the rhythm section Ronnie Tut and Jerry Chef. Jerry I should I should have mentioned Jerry when we we're talking about bass player. Yeah, you should have. I'm going to call yeah, him right he now. has been an influence on me. There was that one it's it's I could even boil it down to one song, uh, "Hunger Burning Love," where uh, the bass line in that is is not incredibly complicated, but it's just incredibly groovy. But he has that one run that happens. Uh, I think it's right after the bridge section. It's very simple. All you, he's just running down the scale of the chord, but. <laughs> It's it's just so incredibly effective, and I, I, I uh, yeah, Jerry Chef had a tremendous, huge impact on me when I was when I was uh, when he still does, and I'd, I'd still aspire to to play like he does. He's still around too; he still does stuff. Um, uh, really cool guy, um, fun guy to listen to him talk to, and even even George Harrison, who um, who of course all the Beatles were huge Elvis fans, but of course they came into him. I mean, they, they were you know they knew him from the early Sun Records days. That's when they fell in love with him. But so by the time he get, got around to doing all the Vegas Vegas shows that he was doing uh, with that band in the seventies, uh, was not you know the George Harrison at least was not a fan of that stuff. But he had to give props to that band because he knew that they were good. And he mentioned I remember there's an interview somewhere where he was like, yeah, I didn't I'm not really into the Vegas stuff. But man, Ronnie Tut and Jerry Chef that that he, just, he doesn't mention them by name. He says, man, that rhythm section. Yeah. You know, even he knew that you can't, you, you got to get those. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I mean, yeah. you know, somebody who was, you know, was like, ah, you know, he probably didn't have the patience to listen to the stuff that Elvis was doing at the time. And I, I, <laughs> I love, I love hearing that kind of stuff because I, I totally understand that. Like I was mentioning earlier how Peter Gabriel went from doing all these, this, this weird experimental stuff to basically doing pop records in the late eighties where that's when he lost me and many of my friends kind of a similar thing. You know, you get the sense that somebody's selling out. Which I don't even know what that means anymore. Yeah, that was a big deal when we were, when I was sixteen, seventeen. Was like, oh no, he sold out. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'd kind of like to sell out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, I, 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 I'm a lot more appreciative of like you know, yeah, income, I, money at this yeah. point. But well, I think a lot of a, a lot of the sellout thing came from the punk era, where yeah, where, where they just could not fathom somebody you know signing a deal 
to earn a living, you know, to, to, to make. And, and again, that's, that's to, to, to me, the sellout thing was, uh, was going from, uh, and the only thing that can comes into my head right now is, and, and Bruce is going to be mad at me for this, but there's a great clip of uh, Bruce Dickinson in a club in Germany. And somebody says, Oh, what is the deal with synthesizers? And he goes, you can't play metal with synthesizers, you know, and then two albums later, right. they've got, they've got a Adrian Smith is doing the synth tracks on the, on the record and seventh son of a seventh son and beyond. And uh, again, that's not a sellout. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's evolving. Right. You know, bands like Green Day, they, they caught so much crap for writing really, really catchy, you know, catchy, what they called punk songs, what everybody else called pop songs. And, you know, again, you know, fast forwarding, you know, through the years, uh, I don't think any of these, any of these bands, I, I think if you, I think if you go from Sex Pistols to, um, I'm too sexy for my shirt. I think that would be a, that <laughs> would be a, you know what I mean? A, a, a sellout. Yeah. But I, 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 you know, I think if, if you're at a point where you're writing, you know, where Willie Nelson wrote, you know, crazy and then did, you know, to all the girls I love before, you know, I mean, that's not, that, that's completely different, but at the same time, it, it, it's, it's uh, it's a musician flexing, you know, it's just, you know, can you, can you do that? No. You right. know, I mean, we're, we're, we're in the process of recording right now and I'm in hell because I was joking the other day about my songs, my lyrics sounding like a Sesame street anthem, but <laughs> truth be told, <laughs> it's, they're not that good. They're not even as good. They couldn't make Sesame street. So we're, we're, you know, um, we're in a different, we're, we're, t- we're looking at stuff a lot different than, than, than I guess regular, just, or just your average listener in that, uh, every single thing you do is under a microscope. I know when we perform live and I change a lyric and this, that lyric will haunt me for the next three or four songs. If I try something and it fails, or if I try something and it, you know, and you, you know, it, it, it plays on me, it stays with me. So I know we're, we're, um, I'm, I'm zigzagging again, but that, that stuff absolutely throws me. So, Rewinding now back to the original, you know, what we're talking about, you know, sellout or, you know, th- these artists that are able to, 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 to write a pop song and then go completely off the trend or vice versa, or, you know, go from a country and Western to a metal song or mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, it's just, there's, there's so much, there's so much, there's going to be so much repercussion, you know, good or bad, you know, d- depending on which way you want to go. And the thing about Iron Maiden is they've, they've stayed the course. They, they, they started out trying to be that you know, at that one, the Steve Harris's vision and they've, you know, he, he hasn't taken the foot off the gas and they've stayed that, co- they've stayed the course. And I know I mentioned Metallica and I, I just, I loved the early stuff. I don't care much for the stuff they're doing now. However, if I changed the course of metal as they did, yeah, I'd probably be in the same boat, probably be trying different yeah, why stuff, not? but uh, yeah. Yeah. But I'd at least go get a good drummer. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding, Lars. Sit down. I wasn't talking. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that meme that Eric Hughes yes. showed me. Is <laughs> that meme? I don't even know where they meme from, but there's a clown in a sewer. And this one, he says, Lars, <laughs> Lars Ulrich is just down here. <laughs> and then they pour cement into the sewer. Anyway. Um, That's nicer than the one I saw. <laughs> um, um, okay, so that is that... 
That's five for me. That's five for you. I don't even know what my fifth one is. It's really tough because I, I mean, there are a lot of other bands that I, like I mentioned Crowded House before. I don't know if I put them in the five. I, uh, big fan of the early REM stuff too. I don't think I put them in the five. Traveling Wilburys, maybe? Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah. You get a lot. You get yeah. a, lot, a lot of bang for your buck in there. That's right. We haven't really talked. And Tom Petty, we haven't talked about Tom Petty on the show yet. Or Prince. Or Prince. I'm not a huge Prince fan, but my God. Um, that's one thing. I think we only did that once. We 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 both talked about how we, we really love the uh, 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 Purple Rain record. And well, I haven't. I mean, yeah. I, I've been playing it. We, we so. said it was the middle of the night on tour at some point. I said, you looked, you looked at me and said, I think it's time for Purple Rain. <laughs> and we really, really enjoyed it. That I don't think we've ever played it the band since. Yeah, well, I'm, 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 I, I don't know we're getting to your, to, to your, to your last. Not pick. on my list, but yeah, I do. But, um, but I, 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 I'm one of the few people that still listens to CDs. I don't, I don't have stuff on my phone. My, 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 my quote unquote smartphone broke down or three or four phones ago, but I brought it to the shop to, uh, to, to have them look at it. And the kid behind the counter <laughs> was, uh, was looking through my phone and he said, wait, where are all the apps? I said, what are you talking about? He says, there's nothing on here. I said, it's a phone. I ring people with it. And he nearly fainted at, <laughs> I had to slap him a couple of times. But, but yeah, the, yeah, the, so I, I, I don't carry music on my phone. I carry, you know, I listen to CDs. So it's very, it's uh it's still a great comfort to me to have way too many stacks of CDs. To yeah. Go through. Um, Gosh, I don't even know where to go. The thing that's frustrating is that the, the artists that I'm really into, I, I can't just pick one record. It would have been smarter of me, of me to pick a, a, a Greatest Hits one or something. Um, yeah. What about uh, The Who? I don't know. I, I thought about that because Quadrophenia would be, would be in my top 10. I don't know if I put it in my top five. Yeah, it's just a hard, it's a hard question, but I don't, know if I, can, I don't know if I can settle on five, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just too tough. That's too hard. Uh, yeah, Quadrophenia is. Uh, I love that record. One of those records I love from start to finish. Yeah, but John, John is a bass player. It's John Entwistle. I'm sorry. When I said John before, I'm referring to John Naney, the guy who asked the question. John Entwistle as a uh, as a bass player. It's funny that I, I've heard Pete Townsend characterize it this way that he he described the, one of the things that made the Who so amazing, so so different, is that you had basically the rhythm section, <laughs> the bass player, and the drummer. Both playing lead, lead, you know, drummer playing lead drums. You have a bass player playing lead bass. So that left Pete to play the only one who's actually holding down the groove. So he's playing really aggressive rhythm guitar. There's the other thing too is that they're all kind of competing for attention at the same time, which which got a lot out of him, including including Roger Daltrey as a vocalist. So I, I wish that John Lynch was one of those people. I just wish I could play like. Um, I just don't know that anybody can play like him. And I did get a chance to see him live once uh, when the Who came to uh, to Houston and played at uh, Woodlands Pavilion uh, back in 2000, I think. In the middle of August, it was uns- insufferably hot. Uh, it was like standing in a sauna the whole t- the whole show. But my God, I'm glad I saw that. Anyway, I don't think I don't think I have a number five. Anyway, man of mystery, man yeah. of mystery. Yeah, I'm just gonna rebel. I'm gonna rebel against the question there. Huh. I can't do it. Well, I'll, I'll I'll pick your number five then. All right, Dolly Parton, uh, nine to five. I don't even know if that's a record. Damn it. <laughs> but yeah, this is a 
That's a great, that's a great question. And of course I'm going to kick myself too. When I, you know, when I, you know, my Steve Earle collection, Hey, or, you know, yeah. or Mark Knopfler says what sailing to Philadelphia or, you know, just, just records that have absolutely been even golden heart by Mark Knopfler. Just, just doesn't even, it doesn't, it doesn't even, Oh, some of those, some of those tracks on there I've listened to far too much. I just, maybe it's cause I'm old. That's got to, I've just listened to these songs forever and endless, endlessly at home. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it, it never ends. We could, we could slap or cast till, mm-hmm. you know, to midnight tonight and not come up with, you know, not touch on half the record collection that I'm looking at, you know, and the stuff that we listen to in the van and the, um, yeah, it's just many, 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 many artists, uh, I think one of the reasons I'm hesitating too is that I don't really listen to music that way anymore. Very few people do. I mean, Mike Michael Loon, our, our drummer, um, mentioned recently that the the album is the, the you know the era of the album. It's 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 dead, yeah. <laughs> and it's been dead for a while. And it's like we still make records, we still make albums. Um, I mean, we meaning musicians in general, but that's not really how people consume their music anymore. And I have to I have to admit that I I don't sadly um i do still thank you um that's why i'm, I'm going back and i'm just thinking of, of picking you know other records from the other same artists that i've already mentioned like david bowie I, I would probably throw diamond dogs in there um that's another one of his records that i think is stands apart from his other work that's really hard it would be really hard for me to let go of that one beatles too i mean you know i can't i can't just choose one record so it's really tough but I don't really listen to music as records anymore. It's like I'll, I'll listen to a couple songs, and because I have playlists that I've created of some of my favorite things, you know. So I think it's one of the, that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm I just can't. I'm really having a hard time choosing. Yeah. I mean, for example, uh, I was been listening to. I mean, just recently, I was listening to a little bit of uh, Thin Lizzy's uh, "Vagabonds of the Western World" because I really love uh, the song "Rocker." I still think. And it's funny mentioning all these other artists that have that I, I really have spent way more time listening to in my life. And Thin Lizzy is definitely one of my favorite bands, but not not even in the top ten, just because the, I've come, I came to them rather late, just like Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden and all these other bands. Um, but the rocker, I think, hands down, I think has the greatest guitar solo I have ever heard, and I can't think of anything that even comes close to it, even in Thin Lizzy's own repertoire. Or um or catalog, uh, and this was Eric Bell, who was only with him what for two two three albums or something like that. They're all right behind you. I just, yeah, and I, I freely admit uh, I don't know much about their their catalog. That's why that's one of the reasons why I went back and listened to the record because I hadn't actually listened to the full record before. From from what I've heard though, though, I mean Eric Bell is great. Everything he played was sounds 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 fantastic. But that solo and that and that song, oh my god, it, it's yeah, like, it's like it's. It's like a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from the way it starts, you know, it's just like all aboard, here we go. There's all these twists and turns, and has it gets this part where he goes, da-da-da, it's going really, really high, and then it goes, ah, and it comes back down again. And every he just and it's just a two chord jam, too. There's nothing really incredibly uh, it's just a rock and roll song. There's nothing really uh complicated about the the the, the track. But what he does in that solo is completely crazy. Um, not even crazy. It's just really, really catchy and just, uh, it's really hard to characterize. If you listen to this track, 
because frustratingly, this is one of the reasons why I, I tend to hate radio edits. There's, a, there's an edit of this song that uh, criminally cuts out like a third of the solo, I think. That's the part of the song they, they cut out yeah. to make it shorter. And it's not even that long of a song. It's like maybe five minutes. Please don't listen to the radio. <laughs> you have to listen to the whole solo. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to put that in the show notes. So if you have not listened to that song or if, if, all, you've, if, if all you've heard is the radio version of it, Oh yeah, my God! If you yeah. want to hear a guitar solo as well, one of the one of the best is John Sykes playing "Still in Love with You." On the, he does a, he does a, just one of those. Again, it's you, you have to be you have to like guitar solos for, but that that's when that shows the range that that John Sykes had as far as like guitar, just 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 monster tone, incredible licks, and 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 you know one of those guys who could actually construct a solo, not like I was talking about the Jeff Hanneman, Kerry uh, King. Or Kirk Hammett style of playing, which is just every note as fast as you can with not, you know, no focus on the tone. The first thing that came to my head when you said radio edit was if you if you're familiar with the song My Sharona, you ninety percent you probably don't like it and ten percent, but that's that was the one where I heard on the radio when, after I'd heard the, the, the I, w- w- my one of my sisters had the the, the record the uh, just called Get the Knack. And uh, that song was on it. That was my introduction to them. And the guitar solo on that is an absolute masterpiece. Absolute masterpiece. And, uh, uh, and, and the knack, uh, the you know, Doug Figure, whatever his name is, he died a few years back. But a friend of mine here in town, Jamie Ashby, he a uh, huge knack fan, called me up and uh, he would tell me when the, when the, when the record had come out, and uh, it was Christmas morning to him. Every time something that something something knack related happened. Anyway, but that, that you talk about radio edits. That's that's why uh, that's why I believe there is a hell. You know, because uh, those people that cut those solos out or in half, or you know, are just they absolutely need to be shot. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my good friend Angus Young from ACDC, uh, he says that the you know the vocals are just you know getting in the way of the guitar solo. You know, it's just, just I, I love Angus Young as a guitar player. Uh, ACDC is really, 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 you know, they're, they're, they're a phenomenal band. However, it's just very hard to listen to long periods of time of that. You know, Bon Scott, phenomenal singer, but the songs were just, you know, just, uh, you know, regurgitated, you know, numbers of the, you know, I, I, wonderful to listen to and just great, great playing and, uh, you know, one of those bands that will just never die, you know, uh, just keep going. Um, as long as Angus says it's, uh, you know, says it shall be so. But I, I love the versatility of a good guitar player and good tone and, you know, masterful, yeah. you know, solo construction. Uh, that's 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 a wide, wide weave if I've ever heard one. <laughs> I think uh, for, for radio edits... The, sometimes I think the the one time I, at least one example I, I can think of where it actually improved the song is on uh, Let's Dance I think David Bowie uh, where if you listen to the track off the record it sounds kind of like a dance remix like a, like the extended remix of it or something because the intro just kind of goes on twice as long and, and they do cut a bit out of the, the solo of Stevie Ray Vaughan's solo at the end and the radio edit, yeah. I, maybe just because that's the version I heard first, you know, that, that sometimes that's, that's what determines whether or not I like it, but that's not always true. But I think the solo actually flows better in the radio edit as compared to the, 
to the full version. That's one one example. There's another radio edit of Bowie's that I think is criminal, especially since he has to, he's actually performed it this way on stage a few times. But there's a radio the radio edit or the single edit of Heroes actually cuts out the first two verses of the song. <laughs> it's a really a, unusually aggressive edit, and uh, there is a few times I've heard him actually sing it that way. I think on like for charity gigs and things like that where he didn't have much time. To, to play a whole set, but it's it's criminal. You take out the first two verses of that song, you don't have the whole story of the song. But unfortunately, there are a lot of, because of that. There are a lot of people who just think the song starts with "I wish I could swim like the dolphins could swim." But no, it's "I will be king, you will be queen." You got to start with that because he he returns that verse later in the song an octave higher, and it has all this. You don't get the power. But there are some examples of of songs I've the, where I heard the radio edit first, and then I heard the full version. I'm like, oh, this is much better. <laughs> uh, the, when when Talking Heads, they, these aren't even really radio edits, but when when the Talking Heads put first put out the soundtrack record for Stomach and Sense, they for some reason decided that it would be more commercially. I guess it, I guess they were just trying to cut cost or just make sure the record was going to sell. It really should have come out as a double record, but because they couldn't fit. Number one, they didn't put all the songs on the record, but the ones that they did put on there, they cut out uh, again criminally. They wound up cutting out most of uh, Jerry Harrison's uh, keyboard solos. And then you go back and you listen to the full versions of those records. Jerry Harrison's keyboard work in that in that movie on that record. That's 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 some of his finest work. And I think he's actually very underrated uh, as a keyboard player. Most people know him from Talking Heads as, as a second guitar player, but he's an incredible keyboard player. And it still frustrates me because Stomach and Sense as as a record still gets short shrift because they've now they've remixed it. And they do. You do have a, a disc now with all the songs from the record, but again, they cut out parts of it to, to try to fit them all in one disc. And um, I need to have a talk with Talking Heads manager. They got some explaining to do. But anyway, so what we what we got coming up this month? We got a few things. Oh God, nonstop. Well, we're going back into the uh, BB Gun Studios, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, hopefully finish off the tracks that we've already laid down. And we're um, this Saturday night. We're at Moe's Vintage Park, and uh, hopefully debuting. Uh, a couple of new songs and uh, that might make the record might not we'll see how they react um, I'm speaking to our friends in Bondoran we're going to get some details about our uh, shows in Ireland uh, so that's going to come up on uh, this week and we, we've uh, nailed down our Vegas slash West Coast slash uh, Phoenix California San Diego yeah. so we got two uh, my cousin owns a pub if you're in the San Diego area and you want to find the greatest. If you've been to San Diego and you've been to the field, you have witnessed one of the finest Irish pubs in the world. And it's, it's award-winning and the food is... Uh, but it's, um, it's a cousin of mine that owns it, but it's, it is it by really, far yeah. the best food I've ever had in a pub. And uh, so we have, the, uh, the, we have the great honor of playing there this June. And, um, so that, and then, uh, yeah, so we're going to, we've, we've got a big, uh, we're doing the mentioned it before, but we're doing the Celtic, um, Glasgow Celtic football club, um, convention in Vegas, in Mandalay Bay. We're doing a week there. Then we're going out to San Diego for two nights at the field. Then we're going back over to Bullhead, Arizona. We're going to do two nights at, um, Lazy Harry's in, uh, yeah. Uh, in Bullhead, and then we're going to then we're going to Phoenix, and we're going to do a night at the Dubliner, and uh, so 
lot of lot of lot of lot of lot of miles, and we're gonna have a lot of fun. And uh, so we got that. So yeah, just um, you know, go to our go to our site, and uh, and you know, like I said before, if you like what you're hearing, you know, tell a friend. If you hate it, tell an enemy. <laughs> but uh, thank you for listening, and uh, really, uh, um, I just just want you to know that uh, Chad does all the work, and uh, <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Yeah, and, and if you could just do us a favor and uh, head over to iTunes, and or if you're using the the Apple Podcast app, uh, give us a little five star rating there, and maybe leave a review. It'll help us out, and send us questions. Here we we filled up a whole episode pretty much with one question. Anyway, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks Brandon and John too for yes, the, thank you. Very 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 good. All right, see you guys. <laughs>